Today, uh, I get to kick off a new sermon series called The Power of Emotions. And this is something I'm really passionate about, and, and sometimes people mistake my passion for anger, and I can assure you it's not. Um, it's, I just get passionate about what it is that God's laid on my heart this morning. And one of the things I want you to be aware of, I want to start with a very strong declarative statement here this morning, and it says this, our emotions have the power to either give or take life from our soul. All right? Our emotions have the power to either give or take life from our soul. Um, am I going to have, is that going to work up there? Because I have verses I'm going to need up there. All right. All right. There, we got it. All right. It's going to work. All right. Very good. Because my emotions are going to either give or take life from me this morning, right? All right. So they have the power to give or take life from our soul. And we have to ask ourselves in our humanity, which one are we going to allow them to do within us. And every day we get the opportunity to determine what we're going to do with this statement. Uh, Jesus says in the scriptures, the Bible says that his, his mercies are new every morning. So each and every day we get the opportunity to renew what it is that we believe about this. But before we get too far into the message, I want to I wanna take a moment and pray this morning. Let's, uh, let's pray. Dear God, I just take this moment to offer you today this message and the, this, that you've laid upon my heart. God, I pray that today would be a day that if there's anything true in this message, that you'd seal it up in our hearts. And Lord, anything that's false, just let it fall by the wayside. But Lord, if there's someone that needs to be delivered from a, a thought process, Lord, that's kind of been plaguing them, then God, I pray today that today's the day where the truth of your word, the truth of your deliverant, deliverant power, Lord, comes alive to them today. And so, God, we just thank you for that. Lord, be with this message. May the words uh, just truly bring light to the power of the Word of God this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So I recently uh, just had a, an opportunity to see a very negative side of my emotions, uh, a negative side of my emotions that I put to rest for about 20 years, um, and I didn't even know it still existed within me, but I had a unique opportunity to go on a camping trip that um, was supposed to develop spiritual character and all that kind of good stuff, and, and, and it did, it just did it in a way that I wasn't expecting. Okay, And so what I want to suggest about emotions is when we meet our emotions with unmet expectations, it can create a catastrophe. All right, And so we have to understand what do those unmet expectations do to us in the minute of, our power, of the power of our emotions. And so because we can get hijacked pretty quickly if those unmet expectations take us to a negative dark spot. And that's what I saw. I saw a very negative part of my um, my being that was not encouraging in it and i found myself at one point in the trip and i'll just i'll just confess to you um just so that you guys know that i am not putting my what i'm telling you today i'm not putting myself on a, any type of a pedestal i want you to understand the power of the word of god all right and so i found myself at one point in time i was even cussing at one of the first people i only said one cuss word um but i still cuss i haven't cussed in anger at someone since i was in college it's just not something that I do. It's something that I gave up to God a long time ago, and I, I don't give in to it. It's just I don't, I don't have the need for it, but I, it bubbled up that day, and I was filled full of rage, and, and I've, never, I've just never done that to anybody, and so it caused great um, frustration with me. I'm like, what in the world is going on inside of me? Because I realized that I knew, I even knew that this emotional series was coming up. And I, I mean, everything that I'm going to preach on was already, it was just playing a part in my mind. And I had to figure out what do I do with all this information? But it's a side of me that I had yielded to God's control a long time ago. And so I was wondering like, what is going on? Why is this, why is this evil man coming out of me right now? What's going on in my thinking? But I had to ask God 
for direction. And, and I want to tell you that he gave it to me. But what I, what I want you to discover right now is maybe you find yourself in similar situations. Maybe not with anger, but we all have different sets of emotions. And maybe you sometimes find, and maybe I'm just the only one, but maybe you find yourself at times where it's like, who is that person? And you're looking in the mirror, and you're wondering, like, what in the world just happened? And, and what happens is our emotions hijack the control center of our body. And, and all of a sudden, we start at, acting in ways that we're, are uncharacteristic of what we know to be true about ourselves. And so this, that's what was going on on this particular camping trip. And so when I finally got to camp that particular night, uh, I sat in my tent, um, and, and when I pulled my, my shoes off, my feet were covered in blood. Uh, my blisters had just pulled the skin right off. I lost two toenails out of the whole thing. It was awesome. Um, but I have never felt so good in all my life. And, and you might think, well, Donnie, you just said your feet were bloody. I know, and I felt no pain. All right. I don't know if any of you struggle with anger or rage, um, but if you do, you know how powerfully intoxicating that feeling can be. Uh, I felt literally no pain. I could have attacked anybody, and you could have killed me, and I wouldn't have felt anything because there is such an evil darkness upon me. And, and, it was, and you can think anything you want about me. I'm just saying that's what I felt because there literally was no pain. It didn't dawn on me I should have felt pain until I saw the blood in my socks. You know what I'm saying? So when I saw that, I'm like, wow, I am at a really, really bad spot. And so I asked God, I'm like, Lord, what in the world is going on in my brain right now? And so because God is God, he showed me. So there's a passage in scripture that I want to I reveal to you because it's all about the word of God. When we start finding ourselves in these moments of powerful emotion, and you pick your emotion, mine just happens to be anger. We're all different, uh, but we have different expressions of it. But there's a passage of scripture that, under, that God helps us understand what is going on when those things hit us. Go to Jeremiah 17, verses 9 through 10, and it says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And I need you to understand what heart means in the scriptures. It means seduke, it means psyche, it means the, the seat of your emotion. All right? And so it doesn't mean your cardiac heart. It means what, what drives you as a person. And so your mind is utterly wicked above all else. Now, that's not very encouraging this morning, but trust me, it gets better. But we have to start here, all right? We have to understand our brains are trying to trick us. They're deceiving us. They're trying to make us think we're right. Who can understand our brain? If our, if our own brain is deceiving us, then the Lord, who can understand it? And the good thing is, here's the good news, I, the Lord, search the heart. He says, I, the Lord, search your motives. I, the Lord, search out what's going on inside of you. I examine the mind, okay? So it's God's job to do that. And then, here's a little bit of the depressing part, then I reward each person, each man, each pastor, this raging lunatic, according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve, okay? So I had to bring my mind into understanding, Lord, what is going on? Why, what's motivating me in this moment? And that's what we all have to understand. The, the man who wrote this passage, his name's Jeremiah, all right? And he was called the weeping prophet. And if you, I'm not going to go into this whole story, but if you understood what Jeremiah had to do, you'd weep too, all right? So the emotions were different. He weeped. He was the weeping prophet. I'm the raging pastor. You pick whichever one you want. Somewhere along the line, we're all in the middle there somewhere. But the emotions are what we get to yield to God's control. And the process is still the same. We have to filter it through the lens of the Scripture. We've got to go to the Word of God and ask God to reveal to us the character of what's going on in our mind. Because our minds are powerful. The seed of our emotions and what it does to us is powerful. 
And we have to figure out how do we make sure that we, that we bring that into the submission of the Word of God. So today, uh, when we leave here today, what I'm hoping, what I'm praying to God happens here this morning is that we go out of here with a little less judgment of people because we're all, we're all just a different reflection of the sum of our emotions, all right? And some people say, well, I don't have any emotions. Well, that's still an emotion, all right? You're still the sum of that. That's how you just choose to express it, all right? You've either chosen to stuff it, you know how to control it, but you're still the expression of how you deal with your emotions. So we're all individual expressions of our emotions, okay? And so what I want us to be able to go out of here with is a little less judgment and a whole lot more biblical clarity okay and then from that point in time what you do with it is entirely up to you all right but i do need to make one very clarifying statement all right um if you have rejected christ if you if you don't believe that jesus christ is who he says he is then everything i'm going to tell you from this point forward is simply information Okay, it is only information, and you're not going to be able to do much with it except for whatever self-discipline you can create. All right, so if you don't have Christ, it's only information. If you do have Christ, then it's instructional. Okay, so there's a dividing line, and you'll understand why here in a minute. But everything, all of us, regardless of where we stand, if we choose Christ, we have access to it. Okay, so just understand if you've rejected Christ, it's informational. If you've accepted Christ, it's instructional. Okay, so that's everything that I'm going to say from this point forward. Now, what do I mean if you've accepted Christ? Do you believe that He is who He says He is? Do you believe that He is the one that tore the veil? And do you even understand what it means when He tore the veil? Do you believe that He brought heaven down because He wanted heaven to be with us, so He made heaven accessible here on earth? Do you believe that He is the Savior, the Son of the living God? Do you believe that the point of His death, He delivered the Spirit, His Spirit, into the heart and souls of mankind? Do you believe that He is going to come again and get those who have been sealed for the day of redemption? If you believe that, then you are sealed in the day for Christ. If you don't and you're wondering, what the heck is this guy talking about, then you're on the informational side this morning, okay? So there's nothing wrong with either one, except for the one I want to come into the other camp. Um, but the reality is we have to understand that there is a dividing line in understanding the person of Christ. And when we accept Christ, we can acknowledge what he talks about in the Word. When we don't accept Christ, the Word of God doesn't make sense. And you'll see why here in a minute, I hope. All right, so turn to 1 Peter. Or I'm going to just read it for you. You can turn to it on your phones or whatever uh, device you carry with you. It might even be a thing called a book. Um, but turn to, this, turn to the passage, 1 Peter 1, and it says this, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for one another, Love one another deeply from the heart, the seat of your emotions. And so what he's saying is now that you have this information, because again, information, instruction, now that you understand who Christ is, it needs to change the way that you love one another. It changes the way in which we process our emotions. All right, keep going. For you have been born again. All right, so there's this literal idea, and I need you to understand this. Keep this, this verse in mind. You've been born again. You have a new man, all right? You have a new life that is now accessible to you. For those that put your faith and trust in Christ, there's a new way that is accessible for anybody that chooses Christ. And it's not of perishable seed, but it's of imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring 
Word of God. That's why everything that we go through has to point back to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word of God was written by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us life. The Holy Spirit was in the beginning of the creation. Everything that we just sang about talked about how the Holy Spirit's been there and how the Word of God has been there, right? So we either sing about it or we actually believe what we sing about, right? So I'm, I'm just helping us to, to activate what do we really believe about the things that we're singing about, all right? Keep going. For all people, all right, this isn't really encouraging, but it's, it's true, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Uh, that basically just means less poetic, you're going to die, all right, in case you're wondering what that means. I'll, uh, you know how you ever go to literature class and that teacher's always like, what does the author really mean? And you say something you're like, no, that isn't what it means. And you're like, well, then don't ask me. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not asking you. It means you're going to die. All right, so, but the word of God endures forever the holy spirit the word of god it goes on past us and so what we've got to make sure is this thing that we do down here in this body that fades is it pointing back to the word of god that endures forever that's what we've got to ask ourselves and this word is the very word that was preached to you and so we understand that this is what gets inside of us it's the word of god that challenges us it's the word of god that directs us keep going Therefore, because of this, because of all the work that's been done, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. So those are those emotions, and those are the outcomes of the emotions. That's not really the emotion. That's the evidence of, an, of a wrong emotion. And, it, and God's saying, get rid of it. Because you have the work of Christ. Again, this is where the instruction comes in. Okay, if this is just information, it doesn't matter. But if it's instruction, it matters because he's telling us to do something with it. All right, keep going. Like newborn babies, here's that old nature being, being birthed again. So like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You have something different within you because of the power of the living God. Jesus Christ sent his spirit to live inside of us who choose to believe in him. Keep going. And that's what, uh, I changed passages here, but that's what, how First Peter talks about it. Then we jump to Philippians, and this is how Paul talks about it. So Peter and Paul, I don't know if you know this, but they kind of argued against one another at times, but they all came down on the same idea with this. So now we flip over to Paul, and he's talking to the church at Philippi, and he's, he's revealing the same thing in a little bit different wording, and he says this, therefore, if any of you have any encouragement because of, because of this new man, because of this new birth, if you have any encouragement because of what Christ has done in you if any comfort from his love if you have any common sharing in the spirit the spirit of god if there's any tenderness if there's any compassion then make my joy complete by being like minded we start looking through the scriptures and you're going to see this theme over and over again when it talks about the heart and the mind that's what christ comes to transform is the way that we think he literally read frames the way in which our minds work. So be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. How do, we, how do we make sure that we bring our emotions into check so that we can be one in spirit and one in mind? Keep going. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. I was not doing this on my trip. I was a horrible reflection of what God's word said in that moment. Keep going. Not looking to your own interest, which is what I was doing, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset 
as that of Christ Jesus. So this is, a, this is, again, instructional. So if we say that we have Christ living within us, then we need to be putting on the mind of Christ within our lives. And he's given us access to the mind of Christ through the work and the role of the Holy Spirit within us. All right? Keep going. I believe there's one last little piece. Because of all of that, we get to understand and we get to know that we are all a different reflection of the emotions that drive each and every single one of us. And we get to ask ourselves, are we allowing the truth of the Word of God to transform our minds so that it affects the way that we treat other people? Because if the Word of God really changes us, if the Spirit of Christ is really living within us, it will manifest itself in the way that we treat others. Now, does that mean we're never going to have a bad day? No. But when we're having that bad day, what it means is we get to take a look at the Scriptures and we get to ask ourselves, what's going on, Lord? What's, what's causing me to behave in such a way that it is not reflecting your Word? But we've got to be honest with ourselves and, and just acknowledge what's, what's happening. All right. And so when I was up there in the mountains, I had a lot of talking with Jesus to do, and we'll get to that in a minute, what we, what we found out, but um, I, I want to help us understand this, the power of emotions that exist in those moments when, when the, our unmet expectations are being hammered with our, with our emotions. How do, we, how do we bring that into captivity of, of Christ and, and through the lens of the Word of God? And so let me um, give you a little bit of uh, brainiac uh, message here, right? So if you're a neurologist, I apologize for how simplistic I am going to make this. If you're not a neurologist, I'm going to try and make this as simple as possible, all right? And so let me show you a wheel. There's a guy by the name of Robert Pluchik, um, and he made this um, wheel of emotions, all right? And so I, in my own personal counseling, I try and do like three emotions because I try to keep it as simple as possible. Some psychologists go all the way up to 21. The reality is you can kind of build out of three and you can get as many as you want. But Robert Pluchik, he chose eight, and, and it works really well with a wheel because it makes it nice and symmetrical. Um, and so the eight uh, primary emotions that Pluchik identifies in this, and this is simply just an exercise to give a reference here this morning, are joy, trust, fear, surprise, sadness, disgust, anger, and anticipation. Right? So those are the eight primary emotions that we get to process through. Okay? And so based upon this wheel, and I could dissect this wheel quite a bit, but imagine we have love and submission combined with trust creates admiration. Or love and submission combined with trust can also create acceptance, all right? It doesn't take you to the same place. So like, if you agree with the person, it's going to take you to an admiration. If you don't agree with the person, it can just simply take you to the place where you accept them for who they are, okay? Now let's go over here to optimism and aggressiveness, all right? So I started my camping trip with optimism and aggressiveness because I do everything with aggression. That's just who I am. All right? So I, I combined that with anticipation, and I was being vigilant about everything that I saw. The problem was my optimism changed to contempt. And so then I combined my aggressive nature to contempt combined with anger, and it turned to rage. You see how this works? So we, when we begin to work on this emotional wheel, and I could go around and, and give you evidence of each one and how it combines to it, um, but what I want to challenge you with is love combined with any of these will override all emotion. Because when we combine everything with love, it challenges the response that we give to others. Because like, let's even say love with fear, where's my fear? It doesn't create terror, it can create apprehension. 
God will overcome all things. He didn't give us the spirit of timidity or fear. You see, when we begin to put this wheel in place and we begin to understand how our emotions are absolutely sinless, all right, we have to understand there's nothing sinful about those emotions right there. Okay? Your emotions are void of sin. What you do with your emotions, your emotions can lead you to sin. And we've got to understand that from the very base of the, the core of our being. Our emotions are sinless, but they can lead us to sin. Let me give you an example. So Ephesians 4, 26 through 27 says this. Okay, and again, I'm just using me because I can make myself look bad and I don't care what you think about me. All right, so, but you have to apply this to yourself. You pick the emotion you struggle with. All right, mine's anger. All right, in your anger, do not sin. Pretty black and white, right? Okay, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. All right, so in my being, all right, I'm a pretty, parts of the scripture I take pretty literally. This happens to be one of the scripture passages I take verbatim, black and white. And so what I did is when I got back to um, the campsite, uh, I was, I had to acknowledge I was having a negative sin-filled expression of my anger. All right, I have never, I haven't, I have not seen that side of me, nor do I want to ever again. All right, and, but I had to acknowledge that what I was seeing was sinful, and so the very first thing I did is when I got back to the tent, because of this, I'm not going to go to bed because I'm going to figure out what's going on. So I repented. I'm like, God, forgive me for my response because it is not glorifying to you. All right? So that's the very first thing. Whenever you find yourself giving into uh, emotion that's hijacking your behavior, you simply repent because God's not ready. To, he's not going to beat you. He's not going to whip you. Okay? He just wants to be brought back into right relationship. And, and you can't be brought into right relationship with anybody when you refuse to acknowledge what you've done wrong, okay? especially with God. But it works in every relationship. So you start with repentance. I'm sorry, God. And then I started with, Lord, what's causing this? I know I'm wrong. Now what's causing it? And so then he went on to continue to show me what was going on. So I sat in there, and I'll just summarize it by this. What ended up happening is, um, realistically, there are certain methodologies that I believe in character development and things that need to happen in order to um, display the love and grace of Christ. And, and the organization we were with was just doing it in a, in a lot different manner than what I would choose to do it in. Um, and so because of that, I was very vehement about my disagreement with it. And it was wrong. And so I could still disagree, but instead of being angry and rage-filled, I simply submitted because I was there. If you go back to that wheel, I had to submit to what I had subjected myself to in love, and then I accepted my brothers and sisters in Christ. My brothers, because there were no sisters. I accepted my brothers in Christ. Why? Because I was no longer angry. And then I got to go to sleep. But me and God, we stayed up a while in my tent because I had to figure it out. And that's what God can do for you. If you, if you make sure that you just ask God what's going on in your mind so that you stop, stop arguing with them and everybody around you and just acknowledge what you're doing wrong, that there's a wrong expression, and ask God to reveal to you the truth behind why you're doing it. And when we do that, God, God will reveal the fullness of his character and his love and help us understand what's going on. So the next morning I got up and I talked to the guys that we were with and I just said, I told them I'm sorry. Why? Because I don't want anybody thinking that I'm a raging lunatic, okay? That's just not the expression I want to give off, all right? And so I apologized to them and, and then we, we had a much better weekend. I won't say that our brains were totally right by the end of the week, but they were much better, all right? And so why? Because it was all part of that process of helping the Lord have opportunity 
to cleanse us. But the challenge is for each one of us to identify those moments in our lives. When are we responding in a way that's not glorifying to God? So what would, what would prompt us to want to have to do that work? And, and it's really simple because in order to properly understand the power of our emotions, we've got to better understand how we can properly address them and process them, all right? So if, if you really want to work through this process um, and you really want to become the fullness of God and understand the, the spiritual maturity that Christ has given us access to because of that, that new nature, then the better we understand the power of these emotions that, man, they can... They can really get us to, I don't know about you, I don't, not everybody's like agreeing with me, that maybe you're all perfect and you don't ever do anything wrong and your emotions are totally in check, but I don't, if you ever find yourself in that moment where, man, I don't understand why I got so angry or upset or sad or, or whatever, there's power in our emotions. And the more we acknowledge how powerful that emotion can be, the better we're going to be able to process them. And so I'm going to go a little bit more cerebral on you here. There's a process, there's a graph that I like to give to people when I try to help them understand what it is that Christ has really done for them. And it's a picture of the brain, all right? And so in this brain, um, again, this is where old man and new man. So if you're, if you're not a believer, this is informational. If you are a believer, this is instructional. And so um, not a believer is the old man. This is us before Christ. And so from zero to seven, those are, our, I'm not going to go super... Any of you that have been neuroscience and, and studied psychology, again, I'm making this very simple, so I apologize if you think I'm not educated in this, um, but I, I really am. But zero to seven is like a pre-operative stage, and you're, and you're learning how to develop, and you're learning this process of learning how to deal with your base emotions, okay? And so you could use the three that I use to try and help people understand the fullness of who God is. You can use the eight that Bluchik did. You can use the five that others do. You could use the 21 that others do. I don't really care what you do, but just understand there's an unconscious mindset that happens in those developmental stages that occur within our lives that can really make this process problematic the older we get, right? Because what happens to a person during those developmental stages can really play out negatively in the future, okay? So that's happening. And then from 7 to 14, 7 to 13, somewhere in there, neuroscience suggests there's another developmental stage that's going on, and that, that kind of really uh, molds our subconscious mind, all right? And so what's happening there is, um, again, it's just helping us learn how to deal with our base emotions. And so if you see these tracks, what that does is this is, the track represents the stage of maturity that we're at. And so along these stages, our, our bodies, our beings, we're learning how to go back to and operate in our emotions, right? So whatever tools we're given along the stage, that's, what, that's the track that we kind of follow. And the same thing happens from zero to, or 7 to 14, and then 14 on to age 30. Neuroscience uh, suggests to us now that the brain, um, and I read different things all over the place, so some of them say 25, some say 30. I'm going 30 because by then most all neuroscientists believe that a healthy brain is fully developed by age 30. Your dendrites are firing and all that good stuff. Your myelin sheath is coated, all the things that need to be coated. So that's, that's old man. That's, that's what's happening in a believer or a non-believer, right? So all those things are happening psychologically and neurologically regardless of Christ, okay? And all along the way, life is teaching us how we're going to go back to and deal with our emotions. External stimuli can be really hijacking this at moments. Abuse, trauma, all kinds of things. Uh, 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 minds and brains that don't have the proper chemical makeup uh, can really hijack this. So it makes it all more problematic. So imagine, I'm just, the things I'm telling you today are for the healthy mind. Now then, what Christ says, regardless of age, when you choose Christ, and this is what's so powerful for children too, 
you get a new mind, all right? So if you choose to accept Christ, then you have a new way to deal with your joy, fear, and anger, your sadness, your grief, your guilt, all those other things. God gives us a new opportunity to process all of those base emotions, okay? And that changes based upon psychological development the older we get. So the older we get, the more mature even that becomes, all right? So this is all happening neurologically. So this is, this is everybody without Christ. This is everybody with Christ. But here's the problem. In stress-filled moments, we go back to our flesh, which is represented in the scriptures by flesh, the old man. And so because in that moment when I'm in the tent, I'm like, why am I going like this? And God's just like, well, dude, because he just gave into your flesh. You chose not to follow my will in that moment. Okay, it's just that simple. Why? Because I went down an old track that had been buried in my mind and somehow or another my thoughts found that old track and boy, they were off to the races. And so I had to understand that. So there's another, there's another element that's happening here, right? So old man, new man. Um, let me give you one more picture of a brain. And again, uh, if you're a psychologist or a neurologist here, I apologize for the simplicity of this, um, but it's okay. You'll forgive me later if you're godly. All right, so um, <laughs> I'm just messing. All right, so imagine those tracks that I, I just gave you. All right, so imagine there's three lines that are dissecting this brain, okay? And so this is the lower part of the brain, your occipital lobe, and I'm not going to go into all that. Um, here's your frontal lobe. And then there, imagine there's those three tracks are dissecting that, your different ages, zero to seven, 714, 14 on, okay? Now, your frontal lobe, what we've discovered in neuroscience, can override all of your emotions. But here's what happens. Right here in the middle of your temporal lobe is a little thing called the amygdala. Everything meets in the middle, uh, all right? So the amygdala. The amygdala, according to neuroscience, is called the seat of your emotions. It's a powerful seat of memory and emotions and how you deal with it. Um, and so what happens with those tracks that I was showing in the old man and the new man, um, in those various stages, those tracks take you back to how you learn how to process your emotions at those various stages. So regardless of age, all the tracks take you back to an emotional mindset. What we have to do is surrender our process to the control of the Holy Spirit so that we can mature in the way that we process information and response. What the old man does is you're simply subject to the way in which you can behave from a self-discipline standpoint. What the new man does with Christ, if you choose to follow Christ, he says, I literally give you a new way to process information. I give you a new man to be birthed within your mind. Okay, this is, this is power, powerful, all right? So your amygdala then has the ability to remember all these emotions, all right? So when you start reading the scriptures and you start hearing the word mind and you start hearing the word heart, I want you to think neurologically the amygdala, okay? And, and how that is driving the emotional state of your being. And so if you ever look at your kid and you think, what in the world are you thinking? And you're like, I don't know. They really don't know. Like their, their emotional response literally got hijacked. Okay? They, have, they aren't lying to you. They aren't trying to be disrespectful. And that happens all the way up till we're 30. Okay? So if you've ever found yourself, think back to your 20s. Okay? I don't need testimonies. Just think to your 20s. Think about some of the decisions you made. Think about how you might make them differently now. Why? Your emotions were being hijacked. You thought something was a good idea. And now you're 30, and you're like, holy shnikes, I don't even know how I lived. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But that's the reality of what's happening, 
right? So we can't get mad at those who maybe have their emotions getting hijacked in that moment. Okay? So let's see if the Word of God has any more to say about this, because when we, when we think about what, what God has the ability to do, He's literally saying, I have given you life, and that's why we have to be so careful. Please hear me on this. We've got to be so careful about who we allow to speak into the core of our soul. We've got we've to be cautious. Right? If we're surrounded by people that are constantly dis- destroying us, you've got to guard your heart. When we say guard your heart, what are we really saying? We're saying guard that seed of emotion that exists within you. Okay? We have to be cautious as to what we allow into our minds in those moments because it really does shape us into a different cre- being. So Christ said, I am giving you my counselor. I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. I love the fact that Jesus uses the Holy Spirit and gives the Holy Spirit the name counselor. Because when you find yourself in need of going to your tent to figure out what's happening, the Holy Spirit literally will be right there with you. The Holy Spirit will be right there with you recalling up the scriptures that you have put to memory. Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. He he guides you into truth. You see, it doesn't, you don't have to be a pastor to have the Holy Spirit. You have to be a follower of Christ. As a follower of Christ, you have equal access to the Holy Spirit as much as Billy Graham or Mother Teresa did. Okay? You've got it. You, you have access to the Holy Spirit as much as Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, had. We're all equal in receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we meant when we sang about the, tor- the veil was torn. We no longer have to come to, let me rephrase this. The Holy Spirit isn't just in the church now. You are the church. The Holy Spirit resides in your body, the temple. Used to, they had to go to a temple, a synagogue, in order to experience God. The moment that Christ died, he said, no, now I live in you. I am with you everywhere you go. Look at John 6, 23. It says this, to, just if, to find out whether or not I'm speaking truth. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. <laughs> Remember, the flesh dies. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Jesus gives life. The Spirit gives life. Keep going. John 1, 10, 10, 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants us to experience the fullness of him. He came to transform our minds. He came to allow us to be able to experience the fullness of what he wants us to have in him. We are delivered from the negative shame, the guilt, the emotion that that is so often and has so often, if you've been a part of church for too long, uh, pastors have done a really good job of guilting and shaming and damning everybody and making them fearful and, and coming to the altar simply because of fear. And they haven't been giving life Jesus gives life. The Spirit gives life. Not damnation, not guilt, not shame, not condemnation. This is, this is what Jesus wants us to experience. So we've got to be so careful what we allow to experience with, within our hearts. All right. Got two passages I want to share with you here. Is this really what we believe? Is this really how God wants us to, to process what he has done for us in our minds. Is this really truth? All right, so don't just believe me. Let the power of the word of God speak to your spirit right now. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind everything I have said to you. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. This is why we have to go to the word of God. If you are not reading the Word of God, the Holy Spirit cannot remind you of the things that you have subjected to Him. Okay, You have to be reading the Word of God. And some of you might be saying, well, I can't memorize. I don't memorize very well. I don't really know. Here's the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need your memory. 
He wrote the book, all right? He's going to remind you of the truth of His Word once it's in you. You will be amazed when you get the Word of God in you in that moment when you're sitting there questioning, why am I acting this way? He will bring it to life because that's His role. That's what He does. Keep going. Peace, I leave with you, Jesus says. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts, don't let your minds be troubled. Don't let your minds be afraid. Yeah, don't let it be afraid. Don't let it be troubled. Why? Because he says, I don't give as the world gives. What's the world looking for? The world's looking for world peace. Oh, just take the troubles away. You want to know what Jesus says about that? No, in this world, you're going to have troubles. He, he promises you're going to have storms. The Word of God says that the rain shines on the good and the bad. Oh, the rain shines. The rain comes on the good and bad, and the sun shines on the good and bad. Let me rephrase that. See, that's why you don't have to have the Word of God totally for right. Like, He'll remind you when you're wrong, right? All right. So, but we get it in our hearts. But what He does say is, I'm not going to bring peace out here. For crying out loud, the man got crucified. He's a liar at the nth degree if that's what we think he actually came to bring. No, he came to bring peace internally. He came to change the way we think in the midst of the chaos. And the world is desperate for that. Keep going. The, the, the scripture in Ephesians, I think, summarizes it so well. It says, so I tell you this. When you, when you think about everything that I just said, the, the mind of Christ, the old man, the new man, the old self, the new self. So I tell you all this, and I sis, insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, here, here's why I wanted to tell you earlier that if you're, if you're not a believer in Christ, um, you just don't have access to this. And it's not my words, it's, it's right here, okay? If you don't believe in Jesus, you, you, this is simply informational. And the Word of God says it, all right? But what the Word of God also says is this, keep going. Because they're darkened in their understanding. They're, they're separated from the life that God has because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to the hardening of their hearts. They, when you're in that state, and if you're here today and you're in that state, I, I, I'm not trying to be judgmental in any way, shape, or form. I just want you to understand why this is so frustrating to you because you, you, you've bought into the lie so much that you've hardened yourself to any truth that the Word of God could give to you. And, and I'm just here to tell you whatever, whatever resistance may be there, if, if that's you, that, that you'll never experience the trueness of God because you've resisted Him too much and you've got to lower some of that. And nobody can do that but you. Like, no one else can convince you of that. That's why, that's why I said that everything is just informational because you don't have access to the next part because you're still pushing God away. So keep going. That, however, because this is for the other group of people, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. So that's why those that have Christ, it, it should be instructional then. You were taught in Him, taught is instruction, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now there's truth and there's something should happen within us if we have the truth. Keep going. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. I love this. This is like summarizing everything I just said. You were taught with your old man to put off your old self. This is fascinating stuff when you look at this from a neurological standpoint. And it's being corrupted, deceitful, your heart's deceitful. Above all else, it's being corrupted by our selfishness. By its deceitful desires. Keep going. And you've been taught to be made new, the new man, 
and the new attitude of your minds. He came to give us a new way of thinking through things and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You have been given the power to live like God here on this earth. It's not, it's not just when we die. He gave it to us now. We just sang about that God brought heaven down to us. Jesus brought heaven down to us. Keep going. Therefore, because of this, we must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to our neighbor. For we are all members of one body. In your anger, now this is where that verse comes in. In your anger, do not sin. It makes much more sense when you, when you bring this all back together again, right? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Keep going. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. When I was in the mountains, it's like, well, why was I doing that? Because I gave the devil a foothold. I gave him an opportunity to defeat me. But the only thing that should be coming out of our mouths is what is helpful for building others up. Because remember, the Spirit gives life, not death. Build them up according to their needs that it may benefit those who are listening. So I pray to God that what I am saying here today, that only what the Spirit is saying to you builds you up. Keep going. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you are sealed for that day of redemption. Because at that point of conversion, that point in time in which you believe in Christ, He is yours. You have access to Him. Keep going. So because of that, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of all rage and, and anger. Get rid of all brawling and slander and along with every form of malice that you can muster. Because when we are tempered by the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes who we are. And it leads us to what Christ says next. Be kind. Be compassionate. To one another because when we're changed by this it changes the way we think and how we treat other people and we forgive each other just as in christ god forgives us Amen. that is a beautiful message of hope so my challenge to you today is this is are you allowing the truth of the word of god to transform you into a new creation are you allowing the truth of the word of god to make you a new person are you experiencing the fullness of who christ has allowed you to be through the power and the role of the Holy Spirit because it's only a choice that you get to make. And if you're here today and for some reason you haven't made that decision, man, I invite you to let Jesus in. I, I invite you to, to have access to the new man. It, it's really simple. All you have to do is say, Lord, I don't, I don't understand everything about you, but I, I want access to what that guy up there is talking about. If that's you, then just simply say, I pray, Lord, I accept what you did for me on that cross. Help me to understand you more and more every day. Help me to live into that. And help me to become more and more like you each and every day. If that's you. And then if, for those of us that have accepted Christ, ask God to help you come into a deeper understanding of who it is that he has made you to be. Let's pray. God, you are an awesome awesome God, and we humbly serve you. We are, we are here to glorify your name. Thank you for your word of God. God, I thank you so much for the fact that you are infinitely patient above all else. Lord, we are, we are human. We give into our, our emotions. We go down our old path regularly. The flesh overtakes our minds at times, and Lord, it, it's not what we want, and yet, God, you are patient in those moments. And so, God, wherever we are at here this morning, wherever someone is struggling, Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit speaks life into them right now to give them hope that there's, there's a better way, that they have access to a different path. They don't have to go down that anymore.
And Lord, if there's, God, if there's someone that doesn't know you today, Lord, let them make that choice to follow you. And Lord, if there's, if there's a past, if there's trauma, if there's uh, medical imbalances, if there's anything there that, that keeps this process from happening even more, then God, I pray that people would give themselves an opportunity to have patience with themselves as it only complicates these things. God, we just surrender all of this to you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are and the truth that you lived out among us and gave us access to. God, we love you and glorify your name. And all God's people said, amen.